It is a dark time for the Rebellion. Although the Death Star has been destroyed, Imperial troops have driven the Rebel forces from their hidden base and pursued them across the galaxy. Evading the dreaded Imperial Starfleet, a group of freedom fighters led by Luke Skywalker has established a new secret base on the remote ice world of Hoth. The evil Lord Darth Vader, obsessed with finding young Skywalker, dispatches thousands of remote probes into the far reaches of space. Hey everybody, this is Clay Inferno from League Podcast, and I think this is great, and we have a special edition podcast for you today. This was going to wait. I couldn't even wait for the artwork from Sam, so here it is. Lots of excitement today for the Episode 9 trailer. Just dropped. We're seeing some people we haven't seen in a while, and it's very, very exciting. Well, guess what? If you live in Boston... I've got special opportunity for you today. Listen to my interview here with Russell S. Beatty, who is the director and showrunner for The Empire Strips Back, a burlesque parody, which is coming to the Orpheum Theater on Saturday, April 27th. Tickets are available right now, but check it out. What we're going to do is, if you go to do617.com slash empire, you can enter for a chance to win a VIP meet and greet with some of your favorite Star Wars characters at The Empire Strips Back, a burlesque parody at the Orpheum Theater. Again, it's Saturday, April 27th. We talk Star Wars here with Russell today. We talk about his favorite Star Wars memories. We talk about the music in the show and how it is a bit cheeky. Here it is, my interview with Russell S. Beatty. And don't forget to go to do617.com empire for a chance to win a pair of tickets, and a meet and greet. Hey, Clay, this is uh, Russell Beatty from the Ambassador's Pack. How are you? Russell, thanks for, thanks for holding on, man. We had a little technical difficulties here. <laughs> no problem. This is awesome. I'm glad you guys are uh, are coming to town for Empire Strips Back. This is, is this the first U.S. tour? No, we did a small tour last year, which was just kind of... Um, been trying for years to get over to the US, but we, um, yeah, we haven't had much luck when we've tried to work with different promoters in the past and whatnot. So we did a small little tour last year, kind of on our own dime, and a small tour of waking up a little bit. It's <laughs> early in Australia still. <laughs> we did on our own dime last year, just a six shows in California, just to kind of see how the show would translate and see if we had a market over there and how well it's going to be received. And on the back of that, ended up partnering up with a lot That's awesome. So have you been doing burlesque shows for a long time before you settled on the Star Wars show? Yes, I've been doing burlesque for probably, ooh, probably about 18 years. Yeah, I started I started doing burlesque um, when I was 18. I kind of was into burlesque, kind of the classic burlesque kind of stuff and, you know, circuit, carnivals, you know, as an academic point of view. Through my teens, I always had a love for, you know, freak shows, couples, burlesque, vaudeville, follies. And yeah, when I turned 18, I, uh, I kind of packed my bags and headed off to London and tried to get involved in resurgence what was happening in Europe at the time. Oh, that that's awesome. I have to ask you, do you think that Empire Strikes Back is definitely the best Star Wars movie? 
it's getting harder and harder to say that these days. There's so much Star Wars content out there. Personally, it is my favourite. Purely for the fact that, you know, there is still a lot of faults in that film from a like, story point of view, but also, for me, it represented, it represents how a trilogy should work, you know? The first one to build up the character, the characters to make you fall in love with them, and then the second one to rip them back down and remind you that they're human. So for me, it's, from a story point of view, it's the, the best film. Is Empire Strips Back a, a celebration of all Star Wars? Like, are there prequel elements and also, like, the new movies? Or is this uh, more the original trilogy? It's more the original trilogy, just because that's kind of, like, universally loved. And that's the main point of the show, is for us to create a show which is for all the fans. And when you start entering into the other, whether it's the prequels or the contemporary films, that's when you start getting the divide. People have a lot of strong feelings. Mainly focus on the original films. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we, you know, you look at something like, we used to have an element of the prequels in there. We used to have Jar Jar Binks in the show. And, <laughs> you know, we used to have, we had the MC come on stage and shoot him with a shotgun. Um, <laughs> but as we, as the show kind of started performing after a few years, we noticed that our, you know, we had younger and younger audiences come. And that's the Star Wars they grew up with. So they have a lot of genuine love for Jar Jar Binks. Right. And for me, I took that out of the show because I'm not going to dictate what you should love about Star Wars. That's the thing about Star Wars. It's, it's unlike any other pop culture thing. Like, people always say, why don't you do Star Trek? Why don't you do this? And we do a lot of other um, pop culture burlesque shows. We have a number of them. But Star Wars is unique because that is the first sci-fi, you know, sci-fi fantasy, but, you know, it's the first thing of its nature to become universally loved by the world and embraced by everybody and I don't like having any form of elitism in with our show and right. I make it non-political I just make it really accessible and two hours of escapism like the original film should have like were and still should be you might you might get this question a lot, but what what is your first memory of Star Wars? I I just read this morning that Star Wars played for a long time overseas for a, a many many years when it was in the theater. Well, I'm I was born in '81, so I was quite young. So I grew up like everyone. People ask me this a lot, and I can't actually answer because Star Wars has been a constant. I can't remember a time where I didn't have Star Wars. Yeah, around so it's very hard to pinpoint the first one. And the funny thing is, when I say to people, they kind of laugh because, honestly, my first memory, of clear memory of watching films was on VHS. And I think I was introduced to the, in my head, it's like this, but I don't think it actually was, but I was introduced to the Ewok films first, the Caravan of Courage. Right. Right. You know? And they, to me, were just, they were, were part of Star Wars to me. They were just as much as canon as anything else when I was that age. You know, we're talking when I was like three or four, you know. So, but Star Wars has been a constant. And, you know, as much as Ghostbusters, as much as Back to the Future, I was, I was a product of VHS, VHS of the late 80s and 90s. Right. So, you know, that stuff was always around, and I was fortunate because of that. My girlfriend actually is the same age as you, and she dances burlesque, and she also came into it through the Ewok movie first, but a, a constant, constant with her, just like you said. So we have like a lot of Star Wars stuff around the house. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So she actually had some some question for you as a dancer. Do, do the dancers get to choose their own characters, or are they assigned? No, unlike a lot of the shows where they kind of you know they a bit more 
a collective of you know different dancers and acts and whatnot because mm-hmm. of the nature of our show we're, we're set up a bit more like a theatre company okay where we have the director you know which is myself so I, I come up with all the concepts I come up with all the characters we're going to use I come up with all the music and then I work with the team so I work with my choreographers I work with you know my different costume people special effects people blah 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 I cast to the roles so I try and cast appropriately to the roles you know so you know someone who represents Vader someone who represents Luke someone who represents Princess Leia someone who represents Han you know like for example our Chewbacca it was quite hard to find a seven foot tall break dancer you know, <laughs> yeah. but we found them. So the big thing for me is to try and be to honour the world of Star Wars and what fans expect. I kind of am very strict about that, so I kind of cast the roles to who's appropriate for those roles, essentially. But we have we have close to seventy characters in the show. Oh wow! We have ten cast members, so they play they play a lot of roles. And you must rehearse a ton before you get ready for a, a big tour like this, I imagine. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. We, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of rehearsals. There's a lot of the show just flows. You know, like it's really tight show. You know, we try and we squeeze as much production value as we can out of it. So everyone basically. No one has any downtime for the two hours we perform. Right. It's go, 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 go. And even like some of the characters take multiple performers to bring to life. Like you look at someone like Jabba the Hutt, that's three puppeteers who bring him to life. Wow. Yeah, I was going to ask about Jabba and how many puppeteers were there because that is an amazing prop that you've made. Like rivals, rivals what Lucasfilm does. The thing is amazing. I can't believe it. Well, the hardest thing for us is the logistics of touring. So we have to make it so all everything packs up into a standard six-ton truck. And, you know, because we, we tour all our own lighting as well, because we like having consistency of the show. Like, we don't like leaving it up to venues of using their lighting rig, which, again, a lot of burlesque shows do use because it's just the nature of burlesque. It's kind of hard to these big traveling shows, you know. And unfortunate because, you know, the... The subject matter we do is so popular, so right. we're allowed to spend money on aspects. So yeah, we the biggest thing is when we design these props and costumes, how we're going to transport them. You know, the logistics behind them. You know, we have a couple of really big props. So we have Han Solo and Carbonite, the full wall. We have uh, Tonton, what uh, performer rides onto stage. We have uh, full size Lance Beater. Have Jabba the Heart, which is by far the biggest, which is form. I'm not going to say because you guys took his feet, and I was going to say neither. And then, yeah, we have a bunch of other props as well. Probably the most sentimental cast member is our R2D2 by far. He's the most popular, or he's the <laughs> easiest to tour with? He's, he's easiest the easiest to get along with. Oh, very temperamental? Yeah, yeah. The joy there. They're, they're very fun, but they're a very bad design. You constantly have problems with R2-D2 units. <laughs> yeah, they're originally, you know, there's a reason originally they had a uh, small person inside R2-D2. Right, right. The frame and the weight of it all is not great for, like, remotes and whatnot, but we maintain it, and we've got our R2-D2 is completely custom, built from scratch, and has unique aspects to what no other U2, uh, no other, sorry, R2 in the world has. Yeah, there's a, there's a, that's a whole community of people that build R2 units, and you have a custom one that's so cool. 
Oh, that's so awesome. Let me ask you about the music. Is it part John Williams and part pop music? What what are the what is everybody dancing to? It's, it's mostly pop music. We have a little bit of John Williams in there just kind of because you have to. But realistically, there's not too much Star Wars music that you can actually create. Mm. Good dance number two, you know, and it gets a little bit repetitive. So the same way we use, you know, Star Wars as the new thing. For, and the reason we kind of, you know, spent so much time on the costumes and props to get them, like, very legit is to create a sense of familiarity. So we don't waste any time with you kind of wondering, oh, who's that character meant to be? You know, we already kind of tell you that as it opens. And we don't want to waste any time with you investing in the act from an emotional point of view. So we use songs, you know, what we call like a jukebox playlist. That's songs that you're going to have an emotional reaction to straight away. And you know the tone of what the accident could kind of be so we can start subverting it or enhancing it or whatever kind of emotion we're trying to engage with the audience. So we use a lot of popular music, everything from ACDC to Beyonce to Prince to Except, you name it, we've got it. It's, it's, it's a very fun show and, yeah, we, just, we want people to basically watch the show but then dance dancing on way out afterwards because they're having so much fun. And that seems so great. And I, I was reading also um, the Guardian piece that, that you couldn't tour New Zealand because of copyright infringement, but that's cleared up now and, and you can clear uh, and you can come to the States as well. Like copyright doesn't seem to be an issue. Well, the States have always had for a while now very clear-cut parry laws. New Zealand still is navigating there, trying to update them, their use laws. Australia has fair use laws. The UK now has fair use laws. They couldn't, they couldn't go to the UK five years ago, but you can now. Um, oh, I see. So That's it's quick. Very, it's kind of the laws. Yeah, fair use laws have to adapt in a lot of areas with parody laws. And, you know, they exist to kind of... If you can't parody these giant, giant entities, then... You know, what's the point of having them? <laughs> and that's the thing, these entities didn't exist beforehand, like, you know. Um, so a lot of countries never intended to have these giant pop culture um, things to reference. And, yeah, so there's a few countries that still need to kind of catch up to the rest of the world. And unfortunately, New Zealand is one of them. I'd love to play New Zealand because they're uh, not too far away from Australia, where we're based. And we get a lot of requests to come over. Well, yeah, and that's what's great about about your show and and about Comic-Con and, and cosplay. And it's just fans celebrating what they love. And, uh, and this is a really cool way that they can do that. Yeah. Yeah, and I have to tell people, you know, we're not a gratuitous show. You know, we're a cheeky show. We're, you know, we're, we are 18 plus, but the show's there for all Star Wars lovers. And if you think you're just coming to see Star Wars strippers, it's, that's what, not what the show's about. <laughs> you know, we have it, that element for sure, but it's not gratuitous in any way. It's done very beautiful and artistic, or very funny. Um, a lot of people don't realize how funny the show is. At the end of the day, it's a comedy-based show. It is a parody. Um... And then, yeah, we use the um, sexy elements just to kind of, you know, uh, remind people that it's okay to see stuff like this, you know? It's, it's, it's fun, it's engaging. Most of our audience, our audience is 60% female. Oh, yeah. Most of the people coming to our shows are, 
couples and big groups who are coming to have fun with one another as a big party, you know. It's a, it's a very, um, you've probably seen more at the beach, honestly. <laughs> right, right. But the way we present it is very differently. Yeah, well, tease is about, like, Burlesque is about tease. You know, if we showed you everything you want to see, the tease element is gone. So we kind of create that need and we leave you wanting more. But trust me, no one, no one will leave feeling unfulfilled with uh, thinking, you know, about the show because the show is just meant to be two hours of pure escapism fun. Yeah, if you if you have any doubts, read our reviews online. It's very rare that I get a, a bad review of somebody, um, and that usually comes from the fact that you know they can't see the show because of the venues, you know, seating or something like that. It's very rare that we have a well that's that's what i've been noticing and uh and to your point uh yeah i've we've got a whole we've got a whole burlesque troop uh, the whole school's coming down and and all of my and then all of my male uh comic book friends we're all coming down we're really looking forward to this show it's going to be amazing and uh yeah so uh you've also been so good with your time thank you so much anything else you want to tell the fans out there no, just um, please come and see this. And if this feeds very successful, we can bring out our other shows as well. Because we've got, you know, we've done um, a Batman show. We've done a Game of Thrones show. I'm currently working on my Ghostbusters show, which will be re- getting released next year. So, you know, if you, if you come and support this tour, there's just going to be um, more and more on the horizon. There's more and more to come, and it's uh, 80 years of Batman this year, and uh, and we, we get the Star Wars show, and we're really lucky to have you come to Boston. So we really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, All right, cheers. Thanks. How's it going? Bye. Thanks, Russell, for being on the show. Really looking forward to seeing Empire Strips back. Don't forget to enter the Boston Beauties and League Podcast contest at do617.com slash empire for your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the empire strips back the aforementioned show on saturday april 27th at the orpheum theater in boston and if you don't think you're gonna win feel free to buy tickets tickets at ticketmaster all right thanks see you on the internet